1: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: It's time to play like a jet.
0: With your host,
1: Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Collins Davis. Wide open. Davis still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And
0: the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
2: From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we are going to do part two of our 2021 Jets offseason review with Brett Coleman, the host of the great YouTube channel, The Film Room. Yesterday, we left off talking about Elijah Moore and how he was a great value in the second round. And I got to say, Brett, I thought he was going to go in the first round, too. So I was really excited that the Jets were able to get him. And I was really excited when the Jets were able to get Michael Carter in the fourth round because I thought once they traded those two third rounders they had there was no way they were going to be able to get a running back of his caliber he slipped there to the fourth round by all accounts the Jets probably would have taken him with that Seattle pick at the end of the third so another piece that the Jets put into that offense what do you think of the Carter pick and what did you think of this philosophy overall to not only get Wilson but to surround him with protection and weapons in the form of Vera Tucker Moore and Carter
3: I mean you know the Michael Carter pick um, a, a lot of people are looking at him as like, okay is he gonna be the new guy in that backfield and he's 58 200 pounds. so I don't necessarily think he's gonna come in and start immediately getting like 20 touches a game, but he might get 12 to 15 and with his speed like his his explosiveness is legit and on this kind of uh, in this kind of system, you know, this outside zone system where all you need is just one crease and he's the kind of slasher that can hit that crease and then burn an angle and be gone. He might only need 12 to 15 touches a game to rip off a bunch of yards and score a lot of points. So I think, again, he's one of these guys, you look at Veritaker, you look at more, you look at Michael Carter, you know, Zach Wilson came from a similar ish style at BYU. Like they all took guys that they know beyond the shadow of a doubt fit LaFleur's offense. And I can already in my head see all these pieces coming together, not to mention all the ones they already had with Mekhi Becton, who, by the way, also was an outside zone run uh, in an outside zone run scheme at Louisville when he was in college. You know, Denzel Mims, again, he's a classic, uh, you know, West Coast X receiver. I already know all these guys fit together very, very well. It's really just going to come down to how fast they kind of gel in OTAs and camp and everything like that. But skill set wise, I have zero worries. All these guys fit together really, really well.
2: I've always said that when it comes to the running back position, it's a very different ball game now than it was years ago. Because back in the old days, you had one running back. Maybe you had two, but those guys were getting a ton of touches. Now you could sort of have that running back by committee. And you also have a player like Michael Carter who can get touches both running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield. So there are various ways for him to make an impact. And I don't think he necessarily needs to be a bell cow in order to give you value, especially where they picked him in the fourth round.
3: Yeah, you know, it's he's one of those guys where it's like one play can get you 60 yards. So I I honestly these days, I think the age of the bell cow is kind of over anyway. Like I would rather have a diverse skill set in my backfield. You got Michael P Ryan, who's kind of more of a banger inside. You got Tevin Coleman, who I think is really good at catching the ball. Um, You know, Ty Johnson, again, he's another guy I I think is really good as a receiver. Michael Carter is kind of your dynamic juice player. You know, I guess you could say like you, you bring him in, you're running crack toss, you're running outside zone, like that, that kind of stuff, like. You have a diverse set of guys in the backfield just to like give a diverse set of receivers and they all kind of do different things well. And if you're splitting touches between them and, you know, really just kind of maximizing what they do well and calling certain plays for their individual skill sets. Again, I think this can work really, really well. I don't expect Michael Carter to get 20 touches like ever, but he doesn't really need them.
2: He certainly doesn't, especially if the Jets are able to spread that ball around, not just in the backfield, but also tossing it around to the wide receivers, including Elijah Moore, who they did get in the second round. Brett, after those first four picks, the Jets went in a different direction. They went all defense the rest of the way. And then, as you talked about, they got some key undrafted free agents, including Kenny Yaboa and Hamilkar Rashid Jr. What do you think of what they did? Post round four when they went out And got a bunch of defensive players And the guys that they got in undrafted free agency Anybody that you think could make a difference there One guy that I like a lot is Hamza Dean From Florida State He could be another Bryce Hall type of situation Where he might have gone first or second round Got hurt and so he got derailed Jets got Bryce Hall in the fifth round last year This year Dean in the sixth So what do you think of what they did After those first four picks?
3: You know, you you might know this better than me because you're more plugged in with the Jets. But I heard rumblings that they were looking at Dean as a linebacker, which made a lot of sense to me as like a a, a hybrid safety will linebacker type guy. Because when you look at Jeff Ulbrich, their new DC, he has a lot of experience working with undersized but really rangy linebackers Uh, you know when he was at UCLA like he developed Eric Kendricks when he was coming uh, when he was a Bruin coming out in the draft you know he was the guy that brought in Deion Jones to Atlanta like he he kind of has a type of instinctive undersized rangy linebackers and he's like I, you know I don't expect you to take on blocks I expect you to just kind of get to where you need to be get to your landmarks and make the tackle and use your range and, you know, with the defensive line in front of him, he's not really going to have to get up blocks anyway. So I'm not really worried about him being 215 pounds because, again, Jeff has worked with a lot of linebackers that are that size. So the, the Dean pick, I, again, I'm still not 100% sure if they see him as a safety or linebacker, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at linebacker just because of who their D.C. is. Uh, and then uh, Jason Pinnock in round five out of Pittsburgh was was somebody that I was looking at as like a classic Seahawks corner you know, big, long, fast. Um, he kind of went later than I thought he would, to be honest. I, I, I expected him somewhere around round, maybe like late three to late four as a sweet spot. He ended up going the fifth, but he he made a lot of sense to me for Rob Sala as like a boundary corner opposite of Bryce Hall. I think he was a very undervalued player. Again, I, I don't know why he dropped, but hey, that, <laughs> that's the, the, uh, the Jets picking up value there. Uh, and then Rashid, again, there, there must've been a medical thing that I'm not aware of for him to go undrafted because I did not have an undrafted grade on him. I had like an early, early to mid day three grade. So for him to kind of completely drop out of the draft entirely was, was really weird for me. But overall, I think it, it was a correct decision for them to focus on offense first and then kind of fill in holes on defense second, because their defense was stronger than their offense. And The guys that they picked to fill in those holes, with Dean and Sherwood, I think, can compete at linebacker or safety, but most likely will be a special teams type guy for them. Uh, You know, got boundary corner, Rashida's UDFA. Uh, I really liked some of the holes that they filled late in the draft, and I thought they got pretty good values.
2: The buzz going on right now is that Hamza Nasruddin is indeed going to be some sort of hybrid of a Will linebacker and a safety. That role that they had wanted Keanu Neal to fill if he had signed here. There are a couple of other players that they drafted that could fit into that description too, including Jamie and Sherwood. So we'll see what happens, but definitely looks like they're viewing him as some sort of hybrid. Another linebacker, by the way, That fits what you were talking about with Jeff Ulbrich Is Foye Aluikon, the sixth round pick out of Yale Who's turned into a really good linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons So certainly some opportunities here for those guys I wanted to ask you a question going back to the quarterback position because we didn't talk about it earlier. Sam Darnold, the Jets decide to move on from him. We know that they drafted Zach Wilson and we talked about what you think of him. But what did you think of the Jets' decision to move on from Sam Darnold? Did you think it was the right decision? Do you think he's going to be in a better situation now in Carolina? Could it have gone differently if he'd been coached better or if there had been better talent around him? And ultimately, How surprised are you that this happened based on what you thought three years ago when he was picked at number three? Because honestly, Brett, there's no way if you would have asked me then, do you think the Jets are going to be picking a quarterback three years from now in the top five that I would have said yes. I would have said, what are you, crazy? Darnold's going to be the guy for the next 10 to 15 years. So how surprised are you that it ended for him here this way?
3: You know, when, when it was Todd Bowles, taking Sam Darnold? Yeah, I'm surprised. But as soon as Adam Gase got in there, I was like, if you told me one year later when Adam Gase got hired, hey, they're going to be replacing Sam in two years, I would have been like, yeah, that makes sense. It's Adam Gase. Like, that was the critical mistake was bringing in Gase. I I feel like Sam showed a lot of potential toward the end of his rookie year. Remember, they they went on a, a pretty good run there in like the last five or six games of 2018 under Sam. Uh, and then Adam got brought in and it everything just got derailed, completely derailed. And it was a disservice to Sam. Nobody benefited in that situation. The Jets certainly didn't. Sam certainly didn't. And I think at this point, you know, the, the point that Joe Douglas made of like, look, we like Sam, but we're running out of cheap contract years here. We need to reload and get another guy who's going to be cheap for us so that we can continue to be active in terms of extending the guys that we have, that we really like, and then going to get, you know, the Carl Lawsons of the world and free agency, like they needed that financial flexibility. And so it made absolute sense to me. Again, it was nothing against Sam. Sam got did dirty by the Adam Gaze hire and he needed a fresh, uh, you know, he needed new scenery as well. Like th- this was better for Sam to just get him out of there restart get him with a coach that I really like and Matt rule with an offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, that I really, really like, and you know, they have a whole bunch of talent there as well. He's going to get to work with Terrace Marshall and more and, you know, CMC, all those guys. Like it it was good for Sam to leave. It was good for the jets to now get five more years of cheap quarterback play with a guy who's also very talented and Zach Wilson. This was the best possible scenario for all parties involved. It's sad that it didn't work out, but it wasn't, It wasn't really Sam's fault, in my opinion. It was whoever made the decision to hire Adam Gase in the first place. It was their fault.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.
1: Play like a jet. Play
2: like a jet. Brett, when you look at this roster now, and we're going to get into in a second where you think they stack up. What do you see as potential major weaknesses for this year and going forward?
3: Uh, really, the the main one I look at is potentially the right side of the offensive line. Um, like I, I like Van Rotten. I, I like George Fant. Uh, there were some things that I liked about uh, Chuma when he was coming out a couple of years ago as well but I'm not entirely sold that either of those guys or really any of those guys are like studs. I, I'm hoping for average. If you get average, I think the studs from center over to left tackle can make this a very good offensive line. It's If you're getting below average play at right guard or right tackle, you know, you're really only as good as your weak link on the offensive line. So that's what I'm hoping for is that neither of them are just a weak link. If, if they're average, fine. But again, I am a little bit concerned about that. And then at running back, I, I the Michael Carter pick, again, was was really good. I wish that they brought in, like, one more to compete with P. Ryan and, you know, Coleman and, and Ty Johnson, but it is what it is. Uh, I would say, like, another edge rusher to go with Carl Lawson would probably be good. Like, their interior rush rotation is fantastic, but they really only still <laughs> – this was a problem last year, and it's still – might be a little bit of an issue this year's is depth at edge like if Carl goes down they're right back to where they were last year where they have no good edge rushers and then inside linebacker assuming you know CJ's coming back this year I think is going to be fine but the depth is a little bit concerning for me um you know naszville Dean is not the same kind of player as CJ Mosley like if Mosley goes down I'm not really super comfortable with their backup Mike linebacker situation. So it's really more about like little depth issues here and there on the roster. I don't think that they have any outright weaknesses like they did a year ago. Really. Now it's just about depth.
2: As far as where the jets stack up now, not only in the AFC East, but in the AFC in general, what do you think? Are they still, one of the teams at the bottom rung, are they closer to the middle now? Where do you see them based on all the moves that they've made in the draft and free agency and what the roster looks like at this moment?
3: Well, you know, I'll I'll run through the AFC and I'll just say it's like, are you at least an equivalent roster to or better than, uh, you know, Cincinnati? I would say yes. Pittsburgh? Ooh, that's close. <sighs> I would say they're at least equivalent to Pittsburgh. You know, Buffalo, Miami, New England, I would say they're at least equivalent to that. Baltimore, I would probably take Baltimore. Cleveland, I would probably take Cleveland. Houston, obviously, they're better. Indianapolis, I would probably say they're better. Jacksonville, I think they're better. Tennessee, you know, I would honestly, I would probably take their roster over Tennessee's, to be honest. Denver, I would take it over Denver. Kansas City, I would take KC. Vegas, I would take they're at least equivalent and the chargers i would probably take the chargers roster so the vast majority of the afc they are at least equivalent and or better than roster wise that to me spells pushing for a wild card will they outright win the division it's tough to say because the afc east is loaded and deep and all four teams are good but I do think that the Jets have a legitimate chance to get like a 10 and 7, 11 and 6 type record and push for a wild card spot, which is, uh, you know, this is the first time in a while that I think I can say that.
2: I was going to ask what your expectations were for the Jets this year, and I wasn't expecting to hear that. I got to be honest with you. Wow. You really think. They can push for a wild card, huh? I assume that this is under the assumption that Zach Wilson plays really well as a rookie because that is going to be, in my estimation, the key determining figure. I'm not saying he has to play like Justin Herbert, but if he can at least play the way that Joe Burrow did in Cincinnati before he got injured, that might mean the Jets are better than a lot of people think.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I, I look at it this way. This Jet squad that was a lot worse last year, ripped off a couple wins towards the end of the year against legitimate teams just on talent alone. It it definitely wasn't because of quarterback play, and it definitely wasn't because of coaching. And that talent has gotten even better this year, and they've upgraded at coaching quarterback. like uh, Injuries notwithstanding, there's not a whole lot of teams in this conference that I think are outright better than them talent-wise. And any given Sunday, if you have equivalent talent, it comes down to who's your coach and who's your quarterback. And I think that they're they're so much better this year than last year at those two spots um, that they they've got a chance to beat anybody. Like there's there's very few teams, not just in the AFC but in the NFL in general, that I would put up against the Jets and absolutely with one hundred uh, with one hundred percent certainty bet the other way. They are a very scary roster, and in the NFL guys teams can come out of nowhere all the time as long as they have a very scary roster a couple years ago i'll give you an example you know i said very similar things about the 49ers you know they were coming off a late season run um you know i I looked at their talent and i said look they they had a lot of injury issues but i really like their coach i i really like jimmy at quarterback like this team is going to be legitimate and they were like picking top five or something like that this year or that that offseason when I said this I was like the, the roster is better than you think and the coaching quarterback is improved this team is legitimate they're going to make a run everybody said I was nuts they went to the Super Bowl I'm not saying the Jets are going to go to the Super Bowl but I am saying that teams come out of nowhere all the damn time and I look at the roster the Jets have and I think why not
2: something to think about because the Jets have a last place schedule they've got an improved roster and they've got a new coaching staff. And other than Adam Gase, ever since Bill Parcells showed up here in 1997, every head coach that has come in here has had a winning record his first year on the job. Parcells did. So did Al Grow. So did Herm Edwards. So did Eric Mangini. So did Rex Ryan. And so did Todd Bowles. So it is a long tradition for the Jets, other than that Gase blip there, for the new coach to be pretty successful his first year. Given a variety of different factors, so you think there's a good chance that that could happen this year for the Jets that all of those things could converge and that they might actually have a winning record.
3: First of all, Al Gro having a winning record with the Jets, period, is news to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty insane. I didn't know that. Um, but no, yes, I I do believe that that the roster and and the talent and the coaching staff is in place to have a winning record if they well i guess you can't have a 500 season anymore cuz it's a 17 game season but if they if they only win 7 games or fewer i would be legitimately surprised
2: This is going to be an interesting year because if they can live up to your expectations, Brett, Jets fans are going to be very, very happy. This could be one of the more fun years that we've had for the Jets in a long time, and I'm really looking forward to it. We've got training camp coming up in about a month. We've got OTAs still going in progress, and then the preseason will be here before we know it. And let's hope that our friend Brett Coleman, the host of the great YouTube show The Film Room, Is correct in his assessment of where the Jets are right now and where they are heading. Brett, thanks so much for coming on and dissecting everything going on with the Jets right now. Really appreciate it. For those that haven't subscribed to your channel yet, I really don't know why you wouldn't have. As I said, if you're a football fan, Brett's got one of the best channels out there. He's got 300,000 subscribers for a reason. Great production value, fantastic football knowledge, and excellent storytelling. You just can't beat it. So, Brett, for those that are looking to check out what you're doing, maybe follow you on social media, how can they do that?
3: So you can find me anywhere on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all in the same thing. It's all under Brett Coleman. Yeah, it's K-O-L-L-M-A-N-N because it's the most German spelling possible of my last name. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm working on a something that, honestly, even though it's not Jets-centric, I think Jets fans will be interested in. It's kind of the history of the spread offense and all of the different trees, you know, the... the the part that kind of diverged to become West coast and the part that diverged to become air raid and, you know, the, the one back spread that urban Meyer ran and how all of these things kind of stemmed from the same lineage and have all kind of mixed together and why it's almost, I don't want to say easier to be a rookie quarterback nowadays, but why we're starting to see more quarterbacks succeed early on in the league nowadays is because of all these systems kind of blending together over the last decade. I think it's going to be a fascinating episode. And I think Jets fans, even though it's not directly about the Jets would be interested to look at it because they have a young quarterback.
2: That sounds like something that is going to be an outstanding watch. I can't wait to check it out because the spread offense has become something that's so prevalent in both professional and college football now. So Brett diving in on that and giving it the usual high quality film room treatment is well worth watching. Make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already. The Film Room with Brett Coleman right now. And make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel too. Luke Grant's been doing some fantastic film reviews. He just put one up Of Zach Wilson's dominant performance over Western Kentucky. We've got film reviews of Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, and a bunch of others coming. Plus Kayla Pace's commentaries Pace's playbook Those are up there as well on our YouTube channel We've got some great written content too At playlikeajet.com And don't forget to give us a 5 star review On the podcast if you haven't done that already Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money But it goes a long way to help us out So if you can go ahead and do that for us We'd be quite grateful And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content You know where to go That's Play like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com